Hello, Worcester and the world. My name is Raquel Castro-Cornazzini, and I'll be your guest host for Public Hearings, Past the Mic, Dia de los Muertos in Worcester series. Public Hearing is a podcast and radio show on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR-affiliated station about addressing community challenges in ways that center equity, justice, and joy through the lens of Worcester, Massachusetts, the second largest city in New England. Today, we're speaking with my good friend, Valerie Zalesi Windham, about Casita Cultura Latina. Valerie is the CEO of Promoting Good and pretty big boss here in Worcester, too. Valerie, welcome. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about Promoting Good and how it's brought you to the work of Casita Cultura Latina. Sure. So um, I started Promoting Good almost five years ago. We celebrate our anniversary in November, and there's good things uh, planned. Um, And I started Promoting Good after having worked in Worcester as a legal aid attorney for uh, a little bit over 15 years. And in that role, I had seen, you know, a lot of need in the community and a lot of disrespect and exclusion in the community. But I had also seen in the workforce, in my nonprofit, but also in other nonprofits, a lack of understanding of what inclusive leadership was, a a real lack of understanding of how you build a representative staff, Mm. especially, right, in the social service sector where we're working with populations who are, right, of the global majority. Yeah. And in the management role that I had for the, the last five years that I was in legal aid, I did a lot of work to really intentionally diversify my staff and to build an inclusive environment in my, in the office that I was responsible for. And we were successful. Like you can build a representative staff where people feel respected, right? Yes, if you pay and attention. If you pay attention. <laughs> and, and so I started little by little to do a little bit of um, coaching on the side, a little bit of consulting. And so five years ago, I decided it was time to do that full time. Like my life had said to me, this is what you should be doing, right? You mm-hmm. don't need to practice law anymore. This is, this is the work. And so I founded Promoting Good, and it was just me. And I thought, well, if I fail, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and so I'll just get another legal job. Um, and this was you know, way before the pandemic, way before this awakening that has happened nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but people were interested even then, right, in mm-hmm. figuring this out. And mm-hmm. so that I now have a team of five, and that is the work that we do um, in in Worcester, across Massachusetts, but also nationally. Yes, and I can attest um, to the wonderful work that Valerie does. Um, I I'm wondering, so you're busy being a CEO, and you said to yourself, "Oh, let's start another whole project." <laughs> Tell me what what ge- what gives you the 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 energy to put into. Casita Cultura Latina to develop it. What? Why? Why? Why now? So, two years ago, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, I was, and I'm a, so I'm an immigrant from Mexico. I did not come here until I was an adult. Although I spent a little bit of my childhood here, but then I went back. It's complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I immigrated um, as an as an adult, and and I really, I still on a regular basis, miss Mexico, right? Miss my family that's there, miss the culture. And like many Latina people, right, feel stuck, right? Not here, not there, ni aquí, Mm -hmm. ni allá. (laughs) Um, 
And then the pandemic hits. And we're, we're, I was participating in some of the health equity conversations that were happening in the city. And we're like seeing, we're, I mean, we're seeing, right? Yeah. Latinos dying at rates higher than any other group. Um, we're also seeing essential workers, many of them, right, who are uh, Latino, Latine people. Um, and, and, and they're invisible. Like mm-hmm. no one is talking about them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no one is talking about how hard things are for them how scared they must be, especially folks who are working um, either in restaurants or in other in other industries, right? And having mm-hmm. to take the bus and do all of these things yeah, to get to work. Yeah, putting your life at risk because you have to. Because you have to, because they don't have, you know, the privilege that I have to be able to work from my house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something that is happening. And, and then I'm hearing from good friends, um, some of whom are a part of the Casita crew, right? That there, there are these really important conversations that are happening about the violence against black people, the violence against Asians. But again, like the issues that the Latino community face are just invisible, like no one is talking about them. And I saw a, <laughs> so I, I saw this beautiful Dia de los Muertos offering that was built in Singapore. And I discovered that there is a, like a worldwide celebration of, of Day of the Dead that happens, of Dia de los Muertos. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my God, like, we need to do that. Yeah. So I didn't have time for it, but I was <laughs> like, we we need this. I mm-hmm. need this. My community needs this. Yeah. And so, you know, so I called you. I called <laughs> Germán. I called Gina. I called, you know, and we we just said, like, let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, you know, I saw it somewhere else, and I thought, like, we need that. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's how. Yeah. And um, so I think that Dia de los Muertos for many people isn't necessarily a very familiar mm-hmm. topic. Could you tell us a little bit about why Dia de los Muertos was a great platform to have this conversation around health equity? Sure. So uh, Dia de los Muertos is a very important holiday um, in Mexico, where I'm from. Um, and it's, but it's actually celebrated across 10 countries in Latin America, but in very different ways. And, and in some of them, it's celebrated, like there's Dia de Santos, Dia de Finados, celebrated in a more traditional Catholic way. Um, Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, though, has its roots in indigenous um, culture and has been celebrated for thousands and thousands of years before, you know, before colonialization mm-hmm. um, changed Mexico forever. Um, and and it's basically about um, celebrating your loved ones who have passed and connecting with them. So Dia de los Muertos takes place on All Saints Day, right? So it's November 1st and 2nd. Um, and people build an altar. Um, and on that altar, they place food, they place water, they place pictures of their loved ones and flowers. And they basically spend a day just sitting with, right, and connecting with their lost ones. Now, there are, you know, some folks who have a more sort of mythological um, uh, experience, right, and really believe that they're connecting with the, with folks, with their loved ones who have passed. Um, but there are also people like me, right, who celebrate it because it's a way for me to just acknowledge people who we've lost. And we... We chose Dia de los Muertos because it was a way that we could give back to our city and to all of the Latinos who were lost by creating a, a venue, right, sort of a, 
through which people could grieve and through which non-Latino people or, or Latinos who don't know what's happening can, you know, celebrate this beautiful cultural celebration, but also become aware of these health inequities that have been plaguing our city, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was both about the remembrance and the beauty of the celebration, but it was also about bringing an important social conversation that many people were not aware of. Yes, and what you know, as as you were doing this planning, and you know, you, your your mom was involved, your kids were involved. Um, as you were doing this, what did that bring to you and your identity? What did this? What does something like Dia de los Muertos, putting in that emotional love and labor? What does that mean to you? So, I so I think what it brings to me is respect of a very important part of who I am, right, of my cultural identity. So in the United States and and in and in Worcester, there hasn't always been a lot of respect for Latin, for the Latino community, right? We're like in these neighborhoods that everyone thinks are bad. Mm-hmm. And it's not even true. Like we don't all live in those neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the narrative is about poverty, right? It's about all of these social issues that are that are serious and important. But there is also like majestic culture. Yes. Right? Beautiful art, beautiful um, traditions, beautiful music. And what we want to do and what we, what I think we achieved with the other Los Muertos was to produce a beautiful, right? Like a beautiful, beautiful cultural celebration with high art, um, right? With refined events. Mm-hmm to showcase that we are excellence, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. like yes, we're complicated. And yes, many of our um, Latino brothers and sisters do live in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because of personal responsibility, right? It's about the complications of this society that we live in, right, that hasn't been just and fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is excellence. And so let's talk about both of those things. Yes. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I think it's so important that when we talk about oppression, that we also talk about resilience, mm-hmm. um, and that those um, that sometimes we I find that sometimes it's really easy for us to think. You know, when I ask people in like workshops or something, I'll, I'll ask them like, you know, tell me all the challenges, and then I'll say, and tell me all the successes and the struggle. It, you know, as humans, we always struggle with that success conversation. We always struggle to like oh, I can talk to you about what didn't work, but I'm having a hard time thinking about what is working. And I think that Dia de los Muertos, for for all of us, was like a healing activity. Yes. You know, I feel like for those that were part of the planning, those that were part of making it happen, the the connection that we felt to our culture and to our like shared experience about this important celebration from across different continents that we come from, that we can find like, us, that right. connection. Um, I think that's what, what what I think Dia de los Muertos brought to Worcester. Yes. And I think, you know, when we had this idea, we did get some pushback mm-hmm. um, and from lots of different places. And, you know, we'll leave some of that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one of the concerns was that, you know, Mexicans aren't the largest group here. And it's a holiday, it's a tradition that is most famous in Mexico, right? In part because Dizzy made coco. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I think there was some concern that other Latinos wouldn't appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. Or that they would feel left out. Like, mm -hmm. why are you doing this thing when it isn't about the rest of us? Mm -hmm. um, but, but everything that we heard and that we saw from the community in Worcester was, was that elevating a Latino tradition, right, um, is something that all of us as a larger community can celebrate mm -hmm. um, because there's room for, ever, for all of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I heard you say that in your initial episode, right? Like there's so often the scarcity mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's only enough for me or for my group. No, like there is enough room for mm -hmm. all of us. And, and so this is why we ended up building Casita, right? We built Casita Cultura Latina because... We want to celebrate Latinidad broadly, right? We want to make room for all of those different, really rich and beautiful communities to be honored. And I can honor Ecuador, and yeah. you can honor Mexico, right? And we can both honor Puerto Rico. like, um, And we all can thrive together, right, if we support each other's work. And I think something that I really want to highlight is the amount of intention that we entered the conversation mm -hmm. of how do we have an equity conversation within the subgroup of Latinos, right? Like we 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 challenged ourselves to say, who are the groups that are always underrepresented at this table? Do we have young voices? Do we have unseen Latinos that that you can't that don't look conventionally like I do? Um, how do we create? How do we stop also participating in the invisibility and the erasure of people? Um, because that's a conversation that most subgroups don't have. Because when you're in the space of saying, right, we're saying, okay, Latino, like we're saying Latinos matter and they their voices have not necessarily always been listened to. Then we have to say, and then within us, right. we're not doing a good job at listening to the, the marginalized identities that exist within our, our culture. And so that's something that I think was such, a, such an valuable part of starting Casita was starting with an I on inclusion and equity within us. And so that meant that we had to like have difficult conversations with us being like, are we perpetuating? Uh-oh, let's pause. And what, what do we need to be, what do we need to do to be more thoughtful and inclusive? Um, what do you hope from that we are able to create? Like, what do you hope that us having that conversation about intentionality in that way, what do you hope that that potentially moves us to where? So I think, I mean, I have several hopes about that. Uh, <laughs> I I think initially, you know, th th one, that we are saying that publicly, transparently, and openly. We are having conversations with other people who play in this space. And we are saying, you know, we want to elevate others. We want to partner with others. We don't want to own all of this. We can't own all of this. <laughs> um, and so... You know, I think that if we can have honest conversations amongst ourselves, we can then invite those same conversations with people out in the community and hopefully inspire others, right, who aren't <laughs> necessarily thinking that way to think that way. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of the the Latina identity, right, I mean, I'm, I am Mexican, I'm a multiracial Mexican, um, but my children are mixed, right? Mm -hmm. And... You know, sometimes people think I'm not dark enough, mm -hmm. um, although, you know, growing up, like, I was the darkest in my family and mm -hmm. faced challenges, right? Mm -hmm. My kids, though, are lighter than me, and they are, they really strongly identify as Mexican, and sometimes people question it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think part of what, part of that conversation that we had is, like, this isn't about just 
you know, the Latina people who look Latina. Mm-hmm. This is about people who self-identify as Latina mm-hmm. um, because as our society changes, we can't tell and we're not going to be exclusive, right? So we're not going to decide who's enough. Mm-hmm. We want to embrace anyone who identifies with that love, right, for, for Latinidad. Um, and so my biggest hope is that that will spread and that we stop judging each other in the community because that is still happening today. Yes. <laughs> um, we were just calling it resume where are you, um, are you enough to be in this space? And the challenge of when we, we, you know, people that show up to do this work are usually doing it because they have some, they have been personally um, impacted by it in one way or the other because it loved them or because it hated them. Right. And so as we're entering this work, what do you see as some of the potential challenges? We're not the first group to say, guess what? Latino culture is interesting. Let's do something about it. You know, we are standing on people's shoulders that have done cultural work, um, not just Latinos, but other people that have done cultural work that have opened the doors for us to have these conversations that probably had doors slammed in their faces. Um, we're, you know, we know that this is, this is going to be challenging work. And we know that sometimes... Um, people that are that you think would align with you more are the ones that are creating the barriers for you. What do what do you think that this work? What what do you foresee as the challenges that are ahead of us as we're doing this this cultural work? Well, I think, um, I mean, I think we need to stay true to our values, and we need to be respected, right? <laughs> and. And we, and we also have to respect others. And so I think we want to enter partnerships with, we want to invite partnership. And I think we want to talk about how do we partner in a way that respects everyone who's in that partnership. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that folks will be open to that, right? Um, because then we can all be successful together. But I think I think it is possible that on occasion we will discover that that somebody doesn't want to share power with us. And and I think at the end of the day, we need to stand true to the values that Casita Cultura Latina um, was founded with. Um, and, and sometimes that might mean embracing folks who you wouldn't have thought we'd embrace. And I think sometimes it might also mean that, you know, a partnership might not happen. And I think um, that is a really hard line, right, to walk. But if we're if we're true to who we are, then that that's the path that we need to keep on the road to. And over time, hopefully, people will understand that we are sincere and authentic and being transparent, and that we really are here to uplift others. Um, and they'll and then they'll want to partner with us um, and know that our intentions are you know, are about doing the things that we want to do, but also about helping to support others in in the love of culture, right, and of Latinidad that they are hoping to express. So as we're, you know, out, we're defining Casita in ways of, you know, what's next, right? We're, we're in that conversation of like, okay, we know we've started Dia de los Muertos. We're committed to doing that. Cool exciting. Every year is going to be a new theme. Every year we're going to celebrate a different country. Every year we're going to, it's going to, you know, we're, we're switching it up. So we have something really cool. But the larger umbrella, Casita, what are your hopes and dreams for that? 
what do you hope that, what organization do you hope one of your children is running someday? <laughs> um, so I, one, I hope that our, that one of my children or somebody <laughs> else's child, or maybe Michelle, um, who you'll talk to uh, later, that they will be running an organization that um, has a space that that we own. And that is important because so often, you know, we are having to ask for permission to be in spaces, mm-hmm. right? And then having to get permission to have the conversations that we want to have in the way that we want to have them. The Latinos in just the city of Worcester alone are 25% of the population. We deserve a cultural space, like a physical space that is ours, that isn't borrowed, right? Where we get to make decisions and, and where the community feels un hogar, a home, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's like... Uh, that's step one. And so if anybody has a building, we'd love to talk. Um, and if you want to donate, even better. Um, but I think the, the next thing is that we want to partner with folks who want to celebrate Latinidad. Mm-hmm. And to have that home that we're going to build be a place where they can do their programming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they can have events, where they can come together. Um, but it, it is also hopefully a space where we help Latino artists and Latino entrepreneurs um, to launch their own success, whether they stay with us long-term or whether we just provide support in the short run while they get up and running. Um, we, want to, we want to fill a gap. And we've been having conversations with different stakeholders to understand what the needs are. Um, one thing we really are committed to is not to replicate. Mm-hmm. So we're not looking to do what other people do, right? We want to make space so that they can do their work. Mm-hmm. And if we can be the place where they do that, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can help to elevate, if we can partner, that's great. So I think uh, those are the those are the, the wishes that I have. Um, but I think in addition to that, beyond sort of our house, I hope that we really change the conversation about Latinos in Worcester. Mm. And that we are taken more seriously than we are taken and that we are seen as influential people. And I'm not talking about like money, right? I'm not talking about um, sort of positions of power necessarily, although it's also important to hold those positions of power, but that that we are included. And, and I don't mean just giving it a seat at the table, but like listened to and that our voices are heard and that people understand the value that we bring to the community um, and that decisions are made based on, you know, the f- the future role that Latinos are going to play in this country, right? Mm-hmm. Which is growing and growing and growing as our numbers grow. And so I think I hope that we have a role to play in um, in helping to elevate the status of Latinos in our community and to make sure that uh, that our needs are are not only thought about but centered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree with just, I feel so excited when we get to even just have these conversations where we talk about identity. When we have the conversation that we talk about our children growing up being bicultural and not feeling enough of anything and wanting them to find home within them. Uh, and how hard it is. Not only I'm like I'm having a hard time with my being Latin identity what about my biracial children and what experiences are they having um, carving out space saying like, I am all these things at the same time. Stop trying to make me pick. Uh, I always say to people when they say, oh, um, I'm half. And I'm like, which half? One arm, one leg? 
which, which tell, uh, because I believe that there's no such thing as half of anything. I feel like we're all uh, everything, 100% of everything all at the same time. And I think that complexity um, is not something that necessarily... I know I grew up having those, I didn't grow up having those conversations. I don't think those conversations are happening in our schools. And I think that a lot of us have a hard time even having like the, the, the language to be able to see ourselves in our, in the complexity of we are and our identity. And so for us, um, I, I hope to, I hope to watch this dream come true. I believe, que si se puede. Um, and before we close out, Tell me, what is one thing that you are so excited about this Dia de los Muertos celebration? Oh, so I am, well, I'm gonna, two things. Okay. So one, <laughs> I'm excited that we have a call to artists out. So we didn't want to just showcase our own artwork, right? But we have a call out and want to have artists join us. Um, and that is due on the 5th. Um, and the other thing that I'm super excited about is that in addition to what we'll be doing on the Common, we are also holding uh, experiencias Latinas, um, so conversations about Latinidad. Um, and so we're going to be tackling three conversations in the brick box during the day on the 29th. Um, and we really hope that you will come with us um, to have some honest, transparent conversations about Latino identity. Awesome. Thank you, Valerie, for joining me on Public Hearing. I'm your guest host, Raquel Castro-Corazzini. I've been talking with Valerie Zelezi-Windham, founder of Provi Promoting Good and Treasure Casita Cultura Latina, and treasurer of Casita <laughs> Cultura Latina. Um, tune in next week for another episode where I'll be talking with Michelle Salazar. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Public Hearing, the podcast and radio show that airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR-affiliated station, and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. Public Hearing is a show about addressing community challenges in ways that center equity, justice, and joy for every person in Worcester, Massachusetts. Public Hearing is created and produced by Joshua Croak, founder of Action by Design, where they help organizations, coalitions, and cities imagine and materialize equitable, just, and joyful communities through art and design. Do you have a topic you'd love to guest host a series on? Reach out to Public Hearing team at publichearing.co. Public Hearing's audio producer is Giuliano De Horacio, who also produced the show's music. Thanks to Kelly Kaziorek and Molly Gamet, who also support the production of this show. The work continues, Worcester. Thanks for listening.